Welcome to the Consortium Podcast, an academic audio blog of Kepler Education. Kepler is a consortium of independent classical Christian teachers unified by a shared vision for student flourishing. Hello, I'm Scott Postman, your host, and joined by Joffrey Sweet, our academic advisor, and today we're going to talk about how to read. I mean, that sounds pretty straightforward, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and show over. <laughs> yes. Well, we're we're moving, uh, obviously, into some more practical applications of the vision. You know, we've been yes. talking a lot about that. I think we're like on episode 22 right now. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, you say the vision, just to be clear, and not just the vision for this podcast, Kepler's vision, right? Which you know, we we uh, it's it, it motivates what we do and, and the the ideas behind it, the implications that come from this vision of classical ecumenicism or ecumenism, depending on your <laughs> on your <laughs> grammatical take. Yes, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it has a lot of implications. But now we're going to get down into a lot of nitty gritty stuff and a lot of stuff that has to do with your quotidian homeschool experience, your everyday homeschool experience. Yeah, really good. Well, Mortimer Adler uh, famously wrote this book that's been around for quite a while, um, How to Read, and uh, love it or hate it, and there are those who don't uh, you know, appreciate. Mortimer Adler was a little bit of, of kind of this ought, you know, the is and the ought, but, you know, this is how you ought to do it. Right. right. So he had a, you know, pretty straightforward way. And so some people don't really like it, but I do think there's some great yes. principles that Adler brings that are, are really helpful. Well, I mean, to start with, I mean, he wasn't a Christian, right. you know, so he's definitely a, a grain of salt yeah. type of guy. Uh, but, but he did some pioneering work uh, that Christians have really built upon. And I think it's helpful to go back to this text. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we often get questions about, um, and and I usually see it in terms of the integrated humanities courses, and, and we also, you know, we see it in other places as well, is the reading load that Kepler students often have to take. Right. Yeah. And it's not a light reading load, is it? No, no. <laughs> so student, yeah. So students are often, um, it, especially in integrated humanities classes that are three credits, students are often tasked with reading primary sources and needing to spend at least a couple hours a day. And that's big. You know, that's that's huge. Now, they're not in the classroom. They're not on online, you know, 30 hours a week like, right. you know, somebody's going off to a public school. But that means that there's a demand on their uh, their time, a demand yes. on their mind, right? And often there's great density yeah. to the texts that are being read, right? And, and you know, I, mean, I don't want to overstate this, but, you know, Kepler has a lot of great students. A great student 40 years ago is different than a great student now, yeah. particularly if you're coming from the government schools. Um, but even just more broadly, um, the, the, the way so many people are educated these days has placed a different emphasis on reading. Sure. So that means that a good student, someone who gets all A's still may not be as good a reader as is desirable. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's a constant striving, a constant grappling with reaching above our own heads, you know, to, to learn to read better. And, you know, when you said that, it reminds me of um, the Summa Theologica, mm. right? Thomas Aquinas wrote the six volume, <laughs> the six volumes today, and that's what they had to know to be prepared to come to college. Right. So today we <laughs> spend college courses just basically surveying it, right? right? You know, and so this is, you know, this is that difference you're talking about. So, Joffrey, maybe you get us started by what are these levels of reading that Adler has introduced into the classical world and, and maybe 
give us a, a brief description of each of them. Yeah, so you know th- these are these are kinds of reading, but I think levels is a good a good word to use uh, because you know there there's a, a change in depth mm-hmm. to each of them, right? So we'll talk. We'll, I'll, I'll lay out for now, and then we'll go through through the show, just kind of unpacking them uh, a little bit. But uh, the first type of reading is elementary reading elementary my dear watson uh and then inspectional so there's a definite detective like if you want to make a mnemonic you need to <laughs> use a detective theme I so we start theme. with elementary and then we move to inspectional which of course is where we inspect it's uh, a skimming systematically uh the third one is an analytical and then finally we have a syntopical reading which i absolutely love syntopical think of it as a multifarious analysis and and the sort of analysis you can bring to a text that comes from being educated from having copiousness where you have other texts that are floating around in your brain that you can apply as you read yeah excellent this is that lateral view of that's exactly right right. yeah so i i kind of like that uh sherlock holmes theme that was (laughs) starting elementary and and detective uh but uh so so let's unpack these four levels of reading and and one thing that automatically ought, ought to you know come to our attention is if there are four levels of reading does that mean a student then needs to engage all four levels? Does that mean a student will move from level one, you know, uh, you know, from the first time they read a text all the way to level four the next time? Or, or how, you know, how does this all work? And I guess to me, the first thing that it suggests is it takes time to read. Yes. And this isn't something that we can really skip on, right? Right. And I mean, you know, there's the inspectional uh, type of type of reading, which is definitely uh, I mean, speed reading is is a form of that. Yeah, right. Right. Uh, but and you know, so you know, this is a list with four points. But there's definitely a sense in which what we're talking about is a spectrum, mm-hmm. and it can, it it is. I think it's something that if if we're not conscious about it, we end up doing uh, what's being described in these uh, separate levels, kind of all at once and together. But it's in a much more disseminated. Uh, spread out sort of sort of way yeah. and so to be aware and to be focused on well this is how i'm going to read it but i, I definitely think that the elementary reading is always present yeah absolutely right? which is basically just simple comprehension whenever you run into uh, an odd foreign phrase or or, or a new word or just a, a writer with an unusual style then you have to employ that those elementary reading skills that you had when you were eight yeah and they're still important and those are always that's always deployed yeah exactly so in the elementary level, what you're looking at is, do I know what the verb is? Do I know what the subject? Do I know what the direct object, if there is? I mean, just the basic grammatical understanding that comes. Not, right. not that you're diagramming a sentence, but you have that basic understanding of what you're reading. And hopefully, hopefully you're doing it seamlessly and fluidly, yeah. right? Now, you, you mentioned, and, and this might move into inspectional here in a minute, but as you're reading along and we're just reading, um, one of the things that, uh, well, let me say two things. First of all, um, this is the, the, the time you're reading to try to enjoy it if you're able to do it. And, mm-hmm. and the reason I say if you're able to, because if you're reading some dense work, right, you're reading Hobbes, Leviathan or something, you know, and you're uh, in ninth grade and you're like, what is this guy even talking about? You know, it may not be as enjoyable right away, right? But, right? but there are some things, works of fiction and things that are enjoyable right away. And this is just where you're reading it for enjoyment. You're reading it just to understand you know, the basic concepts of, of what is being said, even if you don't know some of the technical terms or some of the, the deeper concepts that they're, they're getting at. So you're just reading it for, for basic understanding. Right. And it's, you know, it, it's beyond this, but, you know, basically 
you want to make sure that it's making noises in your head, <laughs> right? Because yeah. it, it is possible to be in front of a text so dense that uh, that it stops making noise. Yeah, absolutely. So second level, right? Anything else we want to say about the first level? I mean, it's pretty elementary, I think. Yes, I think it is pretty elementary. <laughs> All right. So the second level, we're talking about inspectional reading, right? This is that second level. Um, maybe it's a second pass. Maybe it's a second pass at the text. Yes. Um, but it, this inspectional reading is where we're going to um, really, uh, maybe one of the best ways to describe it is how much can we get in in a certain amount of time? Right. Right. So you're going to limit the time you're going to spend with the text. This might be, um, in, in a practical sense, the way I've approached this often is I read all the headings, you know, maybe I'll read through the table of contents or read the headings. Sometimes I will read the first and last paragraph of a section, mm-hmm. you know, because that's usually kind of an introduction and a summary, yep. you know, of what's being said. And I'm kind of scanning the text for any foreign words that I'll just highlight. Like, And although you may not be technically speed reading, uh, you're reading quickly. Yeah. You're not stopping. Right. And, and I think that's an important aspect of this. Uh, this is a great way to get an overarching sense of what the text is, yeah. whether it's just a chapter or it's, it's a whole book. I mean, reading the New Testament this way is marvelous. You yeah. don't stop. You never have any study. You don't stop for any questions. You just keep going. And when you're done, the thing that's in your head is amazing. Like yes. you really do get a lot closer to seeing the whole thing. Um, I think it's a poor way to do your only reading of a text. Right. Uh, but I think it's a great first or second read. You know, if it's your first read, then you start with an outline in your head. Now, you know exactly where this text is going, what it's going to say. Um, and you know, as a second read, if you give it that first elementary, the uh, first elementary read, there's some analysis going on, et cetera. Um, it's easy to get, sometimes get lost in the weeds. Yeah. Right. It is. And so then to do a flyover really illuminates everything you'll have previously read. And I I always remind myself as I'm doing this inspectional reading, I may not understand everything that's being said. Mm -hmm. Right. But the thing I'm looking to be able to do is something that um, it really was transformable. Uh, transformative in my own learning to read better. You know, when I went to college, one of my professors used to say, learn to anticipate what the author is going to say. Yes. You know, I I was, I was actually going to say something kind of similar about this, this type of reading, this, this inspectional level. And that is that it's a great way for, you you know, students, you know, we're talking about junior high and high school students at Kepler usually. And uh, you know, it's, it's so funny how the, ablest students sometimes just have fits over a question like uh, what is the thesis right right <laughs> it's like oh man like i could have answered all the comprehension questions right but when you ask like what is the thesis whoa right and so th- there's no better way to answer the question what is he trying to say yes right now if you would then follow that up with and does he prove it? Mm-hmm. Does he do a satisfactory job? An inspectional reading may not give you that. Right. But, you know, given how it is sometimes a challenge for the best readers to actually like, you know, I enjoyed that whole book. It was awesome. I could give a presentation on it. And yet I realize all of a sudden, I don't know exactly what he was trying to say. This is how to do it. Yeah. The inspectional reading is going to get you there. And I think that's really helpful to recognize that, you know, that elementary reading, you you've basically kind of you know, you, you've got a grasp on what's being said. The inspectional reading is you you sort of have a grasp on what he's trying to say or where he's, he or she is trying to go with the text. 
And then that moves us into the third, right. which is going to take some time to unpack. And I think it's actually helpful at this point to divide these four mm-hmm. into you know two little groups of two. So elementary and inspectional together, then analytical and syntopical together. Yeah. So the analytical and syntopical are a little more in depth. If we think of a, of a book, of a text as being a fish, you know, this is the prepared meal. Uh, where with, with the first two, maybe that's the raw fish. Like we've mm-hmm. got the sushi, we've got the Hawaiian poke, yeah. but in, with the third and the fourth, then we have like the prepared meal. Yeah, that was good. That was a, that's a good illustration there. <laughs> um, so the, the more advanced second level of reading these, these two, um, you know, these two analytical and, and syntopical yeah. reading, um, really bring us to a different kind of engagement with the text, mm-hmm. you know, so we're, we, we've taken these couple of passes over it and, and have a pretty good idea of, of where this headed. But now we might say in this one, we're going to be looking at what the author said without time. Okay. This is where we don't have, we're not, we're not, um, well, not without time. with plenty of time. <laughs> yes. With plenty of time. I was saying, we, yeah, we, 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 without time constraints. Right, That's right, what, yeah. Yes. So we, we don't want to have time constraints. And this is where sometimes students get frustrated. Um, if they don't have the right expectation. So may, so maybe a good thing to talk about here, even as we're talking about this is expectation management to realize that if you're going to get really into a text, Analytical reading is where I go back personally. This is where I define words that I underlined in my inspectional reading, okay? mm-hmm. or I'll come across other words. I'm going to go back and define them. Um, I first try to see if I can understand them in the context, go back and define them, see how the, the author is using them. Because a lot of times, like in, in a work of philosophy, they'll take a word that becomes sort of a technical, right. it gets a technical aspect to it that isn't the way we use it in our everyday Yes. Well, you know, there's, there's a, so we have how to read a book in front of us. Um, and and there's a line in Adler's description of, of this third level of analytical reading that I'd love to hear you interact with. He says, analytical reading is preeminently for the sake of understanding. Yeah. Now, isn't that the the reason to read in, with all in all four of these ways that, that seems like maybe I would just love to hear you talk about that a little bit. <laughs> well, I think that's a really good point to bring up because we would assume that I would understand at level one and, and, and level two, but the truth is I don't really understand what the author in many cases what the author is really trying to get at. Right, right. I may get a sense of where he's going. You know, yes. we're talking about art here, or we're talking about. Um, you know, I, I don't know, we're talking about some historical event or, or you know, some thesis. I've got an idea of, of, of anticipate where he's going, but I don't understand all of his logic. I don't understand what kind of support he's using. Yes. And so this is where we begin to understand A and B are propositions. Therefore, we have C. Yes. Right. Yeah. So um, really what you're talking about here, I mean, I love understand, you know, the ang- an Anglo-Saxon term that is very comprehensive. Uh, but maybe here we can we can move to more Latinate terms, right? Where you have you know we have the the you know we've divided these four into two, so we have the poached fish, you know, the more prepared meal. We've got the poke; it's a little more unprepared. So what we what we really have here is with the first two, with elementary and inspectional, we have apprehension. Mm-hmm. 
And then with analytical and syntopical, we have comprehension. Yeah. And that's the kind of understanding we're talking about where you actually are, you can make it a part of yourself. You can surround it, envelop it and swallow it. Yeah. That's a really good description there. Now, now that we actually, um, we, we can actually not just apprehend what's being said, but we conceptualize, right? We're, we're able to really bring our own minds into line with what the author intends and, and this is a good, you know, a good time just to mention as a sort of sideline, you know, when we're reading this way analytically, we're not believing in reader response theory, right? Mm. Uh, we're, we're, this is what we call authorial intent. Yes. And the difference there is we want to know what the author meant when the author said it. You yeah. know? And there's, of course, a school of thought that says that once the author says it, it doesn't really matter what they meant. Right. right. And that leads yeah. to, you know, deconstruction and, yeah, and postmodernist yeah. mess. But, you know, it, it, I think it's also worthy to note in the text of how to read a book, you know, we're talking about understanding and comprehension um, that, uh, Adler at one point uses the word grasp mm-hmm. very purposely. He like, yep. he verbally underlines it. Like I use that word on purpose. Cause you know, we say grasp all the time for understand. And, and I actually think that's one of the ways that, you know, at Anglo Saxon English has, has taken, cause we have comprehend to seize some mm-hmm. sort of knowledge. Understand doesn't necessarily convey that. So we do say commonly uh, that we grasp yeah, something, but let's good. really visualize what that what that means, right? Because you, 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 you grasp with your hands, you take hold. And if we can use that to understand, then that changes your meaning, your understanding of understanding. You're under- <laughs> I'm not ashamed. I, I love the way you use language to help us understand understanding. Uh, but no, that, that that's a really good point. So the idea, the visual image you get when you say, I grasped this, right? Yes. And he also uses in, in there, he talks about reaching, right? Mm-hmm. So this is the part where uh, in order to grasp something, we need to be able to reach for it. And so by practicing the analytical kinds of reading, this is where we actually begin to exercise our intellect, right? Yes. Because we're reaching further, we're grasping onto things. We're stretching ourselves. Like it, it yeah. is, you have to stretch out and, and, and take hold. Um, so quoting from the book, him quoting Francis Bacon, Francis Bacon once remarked that some books are to be tasted, others are to be swallowed, and some few to be chewed and digest, digested. Reading a book analytically is chewing and digesting it. Yeah, yeah, you're chewing and digesting So you have to take time, right? We started yeah. discussing the analytical and talking about the not having any time constraints. Yeah. And that's really important. So we, we start with this elementary reading, all right? And, and there we're just, we, we were able to basically discern what is being said, whether we understand it or not. Mm-hmm. Secondly, we make this inspectional reading where we make this 30,000 you know, foot pass. We get a good idea of where he's headed and, and what, what is being argued here. And, and we sort of see the categories of thought that are being used to, to get there. And then we dive into this analytical reading where we're defining terms. We're looking at the syllogisms. We're, we're grasping onto the concepts. Uh, this is maybe where we are introduced to technical terms and how they're used in, in, in a, a particular discipline. Right. And so now we hopefully we have a good idea what this author means. And, and let's just suppose we used, I don't know, the uh, example of justice. You know, if you read Aristotle has one definition of justice and Plato has a different idea of justice and Nietzsche has an idea of justice and Marx has an idea of justice. Now we move into that fourth level, right? Right. We call that syntopical. 
Right. Yes. And topical reading with the help of the books read, this is quoting Adler. So we're talking about reading multiple books and bringing all of that to bear on the text that you're reading now. With the help of the books read, the syntopical reader is able to construct an analysis of the subject that may not be in any of the books. Yeah. So we look at all these definitions of justice and, and I've read all these things. I've digested them. I force them to interact with each other. I've talked to the masters and now I ask you, what is justice? And you have an answer. Yes. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not going to formally ask you. <laughs> well, when, when, we, when we're able to do this, one thing that we have to be very careful about, and, and this isn't really the point of, of where we're going today, but I do want to just throw this caveat in there, is that we're not saying that if we were able to read on this syntopical level, that we're going to be able to, um, you know, triangulate in on a definition, maybe, you know, we being Christians, you know, we understand justice from a biblical perspective, but we begin to understand how these different, uh, how justice is used in different contexts by different Mm -hmm. philosophers, by different historians in in literature, how people are applying it in in life. And it's then when we are able to read syntopically, it's then we're being, we're able to apply it in real yes. life, right? Have you ever met anyone, you know, so you know, we're, we're both reformed Christians and there's the classic, uh, you know, so if you're not familiar with reformed culture, um, we often joke about uh, cage stage Calvinists. Cage stage. Have you ever heard this? <laughs> I have not. Okay. So that, that <laughs> describes usually the young man, but it describes the person who has come to a, a Calvinist understanding of theology. Mm-hmm. Um, as an adult, and they have all the zeal of a convert. Okay, right? yes, yes. And so then they're really rude to people on Facebook, yeah, <laughs> right? Because they like they they like, they 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 found the thing. I've always just heard it simply as angry Calvinists. There you go. Okay. <laughs> but you know that that uh, you know, often when you meet someone like that, and just you know thinking more broadly than you know the cage stage Calvinists, but you know how many of us have met someone if we are red people and we know mm-hmm. kind of the, the maybe the intellectual universe that, that is being swum in in this conversation or that conversation um we can name the book that they live in yes yes you know have that's, you ever like, yes. run into that person that's a great illustration but we you know, we don't want to be that right. right we want to grow to the point where regardless of what the topic is and what the, what the text that we're reading is um, we're not bound by the book. Right. Instead we have dominion over it and we can bring all the books to bear because the books serve us, not the other way around. That's a really good illustration. So when I was pastoring, um, we used to joke about the fact when a pastor would maybe put something on social media or at a, a pastor's meeting, they would begin talking in a certain way. You're like, Oh, I know what he's reading right yes, now. <laughs> right. And, and so we don't want to be that way. We, we want to be able to interact with what, what we would rather be is being able to watch the news, for example, and yep. hearing a commentator and say, Oh, his view of justice is in this camp. Right. Or this is why they're not connecting, or this is why we're having a problem here in, you know, whatever situation in our life, because these different views of justice are not being understood by each Precisely. other. Precisely. And of course, we're not saying that there won't be books that were more influential than others in your life. Right. Um, but, you know, if you know, we you know, one can be bound by certain ideas, by certain books, um, you know, and that's one of the things that happens in, 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 uh, contemporary colleges, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone comes out of, of philosophy 101, you know, (laughs) a broken Freudian, a, a, a weak Nietzschean. uh, And, but it's because like only one thing is being studied. Right. Well, isn't this where the the term sophomore comes from, right? That's right. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you, you used the word earlier and I love the word copious. 
mm-hmm. right? A copiousness. When we learn to, to read and, and we are able to master these four levels of reading, that's where copiousness actually begins that's right. um, to, to make sense or, or, or actually are, it's, it's useful. Because otherwise, then we just have this pile of you know, random facts and trivia and quotations that we don't understand how they interact and where they, where they work in the world, right. right? But learning to read this way allows us well, to and If that. we think about logic and rhetoric, then we're talking about synthesis and projection, right? right? That's right. And so I mean, it, it, it's, it totally flows and fits together to be this way. So you know, the, four, the, four, the four categories that we've been speaking of so far, right? And the, the, these are the four. Elementary, inspectional, analytical, syntopical. And you know, we'll, we're going to get into some really practical ways this touches your day-to-day as a homeschooling family, as an educating family. But I think the first question we should probably answer is, are we saying that every text should be read four times? <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily. That's a good, good question. I think there are some texts mm. that need to be. I mean, C.S. Lewis talked about, you know, the the person who is a literary kind of person and a person who isn't a non-literary. A literary person or a non-literary person says, oh, yeah, I read that once, right? But the literary person keeps revisiting that, right? right? Because they recognize that there's still things that they haven't grasped yet. And so they may continue to read that way. And if we put this in a practical sense, let's just say we're reading, you know, Augustine's City of God, you're certainly not going to be able to go through that four times, right, right in, the, in the class. That just wouldn't be But practical. I'll tell you, I was, I was made in college to read City of God in an inspectional way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course, I then, you know, large passages read in other ways. But that inspectional reading of City of God was absolutely mind-blowing. Oh, I'll bet it was. Well, that's those... You know, understanding those categories of reading transformed my own reading. And, and so you could walk away from a text going, I think I have a fairly good understanding now of what they meant. I'm not just hearing somebody quote Plato. Right. I know what Plato was trying to say through his character there. And, you know, I would say this, especially with, with shorter passages, you know, when, when, a, when a student is, is being asked to read an, an, an essay, mm-hmm. read it four times. Sure. But, you know, if you don't have a conception of different ways of reading, then what really are you going to, you may notice an extra detail or two, right. but if you can read it in different ways, then multiple readings are extremely helpful. And when you have a short text, there's no reason not to. Right. Well, I would, I would say, and follow up with what you just said, in most cases for a high school student at a Kepler class, there is time to read it that way. Yes. Right? There is yeah. time to read good four passes. And, and really, you know, honestly, like I, I just, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you know, I, I think about sometimes some of the heartache uh, students go through. Yeah. Um, and th- so let any students listening, think about, honestly, like examine yourself. Think about how, how much time you've allowed yourself to spin mm-hmm. because the project seemed too big. Like the idea, right? Yeah. And, but, and, and really, the solution to that very well may be just read it again a couple of times right. in different ways, right? But instead, what happens is we, you know, the, the drama builds up yeah. and the thing seems too big. You know, we go microwave some popcorn and the next thing you know, we're avoiding the book. <clears throat> well, it, it, it's that way you see some kids with cleaning their room, right? You have yes. one, one kid that's like, uh, you know, you can go outside and play when your room's clean. One kid's done in 30 minutes because they, you know, they got right to it and they did it. The other kid's still anticipating cleaning their room and they never get to go out and play. Well, students do that. And I think your point is is really valid. Students do that a lot of times with their reading or their work. And instead of just worrying about, I'm not going to understand it. This is too hard for me to read. Make that first pass with 
the expectation, I'm not going to understand what's being right. said. Right. And that's okay. And that's okay, yeah. yeah. Here's, a, here's another hot tip to sort of get a, a, an inspectional. We've moved from practical to hot tips, yes. folks. <laughs> <laughs> Five hot tips for your reading. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm serious about this, though. When you're looking at a longer, a longer text, um, to just read the table of contents. Yes. I mean, that's, that's inspectional right there. If you, you, and you, 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 if you read the table of contents, you will almost every time come away with an understanding of the arc of the work. That is, that is paramount. Um, and, and then read the headings, go from the table of contents to reading the headings, then go from reading the headings to reading, say even the, the concluding paragraph of a chapter, you'll get a good idea, you know, because they usually summarize in that last yeah. Know, paragraph or two, just that alone would save a lot of time when you get, and you could move right from that inspectional reading right into analytical reading. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, that what you're describing really it. helps, sorry. One of the things <laughs> that what you're describing really helps uh, avoid, like uh, to prevent rather, uh, is the phenomenon that we've all experienced where we suddenly realize that we've been reading, but that we haven't absorbed anything for two minutes. Yeah. Like we've been thinking about something else, but we were actually reading. Like our eyes were scanning at some, in some level, our brain was handling it, but not really. Right. Because you don't remember a single thing yep. in the last two pages. If, if you already have a familiarity, like you, 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 you feel a little more like you're in the text, that's much less likely to happen. Well, the reason that happens, there is, there's an actual, you know, scientific evidence, mm -hmm. I guess, if we can say it that way, that what happens is your mind is capable usually of processing much faster than what we're doing. And so we begin to think about other things while right. we're reading. And if you're reading intentionally, you know, you have that inspectional reading done and then you're reading intentional with, as Lewis would say, a pencil in your hand and I wouldn't recommend to our kids, but a pipe in your teeth, <laughs> um, you know, he said, in, you're reading that way, then what you're, what you're, you know, that's reading analytically that's where you're taking annotations in the in the margins you're underlining words and sections you're not going to drift off like that because your mind's wandering somewhere you are in the, engaged in the text and there's a satisfaction that comes away you you come away with reading a text that way there's a kind of satisfaction of not just understanding but of actually grasping yes. you know you know uh, not not in an apprehensive way but in a conceptualizing way i but yeah i mean that's uh, that point is wonderfully made and yet my mind is fixed on the fact that you just handed a bunch of teenagers a, a hand grenade. <laughs> and in this way, this is what I mean. So you, you talk about your scientific evidence. So the next time mom asks teenager uh, about the text they just read and they don't remember any of it, they're going to be able to say now, I'm too smart for this text. Um. <laughs> <laughs> my brain was moving at a much faster rate than, uh, than Augustine was. Mom, here's what you say. <laughs> what was the thesis? <laughs> right, exactly. Did you do your inspectional reading? reading? Yeah, very good. <laughs> well, I hope that by kind of working through these four levels in a practical way, there's the elementary um, there's the inspectional, there's the analytical, and then there's that syntopical. Um, by reading this way, um, we hope to help you um, and to encourage our, our, our students uh, to be able to, to read better, uh, to come away satisfied, yes. and to actually understand which is the whole point of education. Yeah. Well, you know, and speaking of the whole point of education, I'd really like to encourage listeners to send in very practical questions because I'm really looking forward to this next phase of the podcast. Uh, where we get to look at all these different aspects of homeschooling life, of the educating life, and just really poke at them and see what comes out. So 
uh, looking forward to these next few weeks. Where should they send them? Where should they send the questions? Joffrey at Kepler.education. Sweet. All right, guys. Thanks so much, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>